This is the Sales Development Podcast, powered by Tenbound, hosted by David Delaney. My name is James Bodden, here to introduce episode 199, featuring Matthew Roberts, sales development player and coach over at Mosaic. Matthew starts off this episode by sharing his truly unique journey into sales. Matthew is the epitome of someone who wasn't afraid to try lots of different things, and he shares the benefits of his one-of-a-kind journey into sales development, working for companies like Chili Piper and now Mosaic. At the 15-minute mark, David talks to Matthew about how he supports and manages his remote team when they're struggling. So many sales development leaders are managing and leading remote teams. This is a critical part of this episode. At the 25-minute mark, Matthew and David discuss how he prepares new SDRs for the challenges that come with being in a remote environment and tasked with doing the job of sales development. As the episode rolls along at the 30 minute mark, David and Matt get specific and tactical, talking about how SDRs can stay focused during the day in remote environments. So again, if you're working in a remote environment, struggling to stay focused, Matthew is gonna give you some tactical and practical advice here. And then as the episode wraps up, Matthew shares what's next for him and his team and talks about Mosaic amazing growth. This episode is such a great resource for any remote SDRs that are struggling to succeed, struggling to stay focused. Matthew is a leader who is leading his team the right way. So if you're not getting it at your nine to five, this episode is a great place to go for some advice on how to succeed as an SDR in a remote environment. If you enjoy this episode, don't forget to leave us a rating. Head over to 10bound.com to check out what's new with 10bound. And now, enjoy episode 199 of the Sales Development Podcast with Matthew Roberts, Sales Development Player Coach at Mosaic. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. This is David Delaney, your host, and I am joined today by my distinguished guest, Matthew Roberts. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. David, thank you. Long overdue. Excited to chat with you today. I know. I feel like it's like longtime listener, first time caller. So I've been a big fan of your content and your thoughts on LinkedIn for a long time. And I always thought, you know, I got to get Matt on as a guest on the show. And I think you put something out to the universe that you're like, okay, I'm ready to like go out and start talking to people about what I'm working on. Is that right? It could be that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think recently I've talked to a few people that like you mentioned long overdue. I actually recently spoke with a few other like sales dev leaders as well, which has been really exciting. Sad at Dooley, Jed at you know Panda Doc and a few others. So it seems like maybe it's 2022, but it's just the year to finally start chatting with a bunch of people I've been following for a good you know, few years. I want to unlock the secrets of the success that you had for the audience and get, you know, behind the scenes as much as possible with what you've been working on, because, you know, you've really had an amazing career, you know, coming into the sales development industry and now rising up and now you're starting the program at Mosaic. So can you tell us just a little bit about your background, how you got into this and then, you know, what you're working on now? Yeah, Absolutely. So I think like, you know, the tech career part for me started back in 2015. So I went to school. I know you're a Santa Cruz, right? You're a banana slug. Yes. 
There we go. So I went to UCSB down south and actually studied film and media with like a minor in screenwriting. And I, I went to LA for like a year after college and worked in the industry, really loved it, realized that I didn't need to live there to do what I wanted to do, which again was writing, but made really good connections, had a great time, but it just wasn't, you know, nothing against LA. My roommate and like best friends actually sitting right next to me and, and she lived in LA for a good amount of time. So after, you know, dabbling in there for about a year, went back up to Santa Barbara and all my friends uh, had just started working at, you know, these recent tech companies that popped up. So Procore is one of them down there, pretty big name. And then Appfolio, which had its smaller branch, my case, which was legal software. I had three friends who all started working there and loved it and wouldn't, you know, stop talking about how fun it was. And again, this is 2015. So this is the ping pong tables, the happy hours, all that good stuff. And so they recommended I did an interview with their manager who was fantastic and still a close friend of mine. And so I worked there for about a year and a half. I started as an SDR calling, you know, lead lists, webinars, doing that kind of like hustle and grind, 100 calls a day. Moved into the account executive role where I just, you know, demoed lawyers on a small law software for over a year and got really burnt out. Still had a great time with obviously the culture and the team and, and it was fantastic, but just eight hours every day of, of talking with law firms and lawyers just wasn't kind of where I saw my life going. And so I kind of, you know, had a quarter life crisis and I called up one of my, my best friends who was down in San Diego trying to be a pro golfer at the time uh, and said, Hey, let's go travel. My sister lives in England. So we had a little home base to shoot around from and We went over there for about four months, had a great time, came back. And the goal was to actually go into real estate in Sacramento, which is where I'm at now. Didn't end up doing real estate ever. Started actually a passion project with that same friend I traveled with. And it was all around positive communication and engagement and started working with like schools and education, therapy, all that good stuff. But then obviously, you know, you need to pay the bills. So my only experience really was in tech sales. So I started working remotely for a few different companies. One of them was Topingo, which ended up getting purchased by Grubhub. I was there for a very short stint, about four months. Then I actually hit up my old director of sales now at my case and said, hey, can I work remote? And she said, let me see. And the whole team was down in Santa Barbara still. She worked out some sort of thing. I didn't want to be an AE again. I didn't necessarily say that, but I just knew I didn't want to go back to doing demos. And so she said, all right, well, like we need someone to kind of help with the sales development team. Do you want to do that? And I said, sure. There's a really small team, about three. So I really kind of learned from them because I'd been out of the game for about three years. And it was definitely a little bit different. And then that lasted for about five months because... She ended up leaving to a different department. They switched to a different director and he you know, had no idea who I was. Said, why are you the only person that's not in Santa Barbara? Like, when are you moving back down? And I realized like, I'm not. So that was the end of that secondary stint at my case. And then that's where I got lucky and found Chili Piper. So we talked about kind of the rise in the career transition, right place, right time. We were just talking about this before we hit record, but I knew at that point, you know, my last two roles had been remote. I had started up my own passion project where, you know, the only person motivating you is yourself. And, you know, luckily I had a co-founder, but I knew I'd never want to go back into an office again. And so I looked around for remote roles. Chili Piper was the most legitimate looking company that was completely remote at the time in 2019. And so I applied there and that's really kind of what kicked off my career. Like I said, right place, right time, joined around 20 uh, full-time employees. There was three SDRs. We had Michael Tuso, who I think you know pretty well. Actually, you know, I think it was my second or third month at 
Philly Piper, we went to your conference in San Francisco and he accepted an award for like the SDR Beast, I think it was called. Beast, yes. Yeah. So I got really lucky, you know, got to learn a ton from Michael, got to learn a ton from Nicholas there and just put my head down and kind of busted my butt for, you know, two and a half years and did some great things, which we can definitely dive into and led me to where I'm at now at Mosaic, where I've been for about six or seven months. And like you mentioned, in building out the hopefully as successful as Chili Piper SDR team 2.0 and having a lot of fun while doing it. Yeah. It's a remote first world now. I mean, we were talking about how there was a transition period like 2015 to going a little bit remote, but now, you know, SDR teams are remote, but you sort of come up and developed in that area. So, you know, I guess in talking about running remote SDR teams, how do you think about it? And how is it different than when you're just in the office, you can like lean back and, you know, get advice from your fellow SDR or your manager or walk around the, you know, drinking a cup of coffee and like talking to people, you get all that wisdom. How do you think about, you know, setting up and managing a remote SDR team? Yeah, that's a great question. And to your point, you know, there's a lot that's lost when it is remote. And of course, I think the biggest one is what you just mentioned, like advice and stuff on a whim or the big one, especially for like an onboarding rep or an early rep in their careers, just like hearing people's talk tracks, you know, like what is this person next to me saying, whether it's like their opening line or the way they close their calls or whatever it is. And you can just pick these things up really quickly when it's, you know, you're living in that environment. So I think that's sort of like the biggest issue. And then on top of it, obviously just knowing your colleagues more than just a floating zoom head and work only. Cause you get to go to lunch with them, or like you said, talk with them over a cup of coffee or something. So outside of that though, what I love the most about actually working remote. And I remember this sort of like came to my mind when I was at Topingo was when I worked at my case, you would do, you know, everything you needed to get done in that day, maybe even the day after and a few days ahead but you still had to be in the office and you had to sit there and we would go to lunch and we'd always talk about like, I made all my calls. I had all my demos. I did all, took all my notes. I prospected. It's like, why do I have to go back for, you know, three hours? There's literally nothing else I can do, especially when we were in SDR and we already called everyone on our list like three times that day. Mm. And if you're a top performing rep, it's not like you can just leave and, and say, Hey, I'm going to go grocery shop or I'm going to go, you know, work out or walk on the beach or whatever it is. And so when I got that taste of the remote environment where it was truly like success metrics mattered. And I remember at the same time, Netflix released like their culture book or something. And I heard actually their chief like people person talk about it at a conference. I think it was gone celebrate like a few years back before COVID took over and she was there and she was talking like, I remember like our book went viral and it was all about, you know, like activity metrics are great. Sure. But like we're a success metrics working company and everything else kind of falls in line there. And so more power to the person who wants to work 14 hours a day, but like, I don't care how much you're working. I I just want to see like, you know, what comes out of that. So if you can get your job done in four hours, that's awesome. Like go, you know, live your life, do whatever you need to do. And so that was the mentality that I I took into this remote work was, you know, they're not looking at me sitting in my chair from nine to five. They're just looking at, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, like, where are you? And if you're ahead of that, Again, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. And so that work-life balance, I think, became so much more positive. You don't have to worry about being watched and having someone like breathe down your neck. And you can, we talked about it, right? You can sort of be more relaxed or casual. And I think a lot of people really flourish in that sort of environment. So for me personally, I loved it. 
And so I think from like a management or a leadership perspective is it has changed a lot. I think people need to be more proactive. That's a really good trait, like to be able to take ownership and be proactive. And it doesn't mean, you know, that's only for leaders or it's only for an AE, like an SDR should be looking at this as their own little business, right? They have their accounts, they have their prospects, the ones who take ownership, the ones who are proactive and reaching out for help or reaching out for guidance or wanting to, you know, talk about growth a lot. Like the ones who want to constantly learn, read books, take stuff, not just from myself as a leader, but everyone else that's on LinkedIn, right? The Kyle Coleman's, the Armand's, like people that they can learn from that are not in their day-to-day. I think it's just created like a more balanced and a more powerful like SDR because now in this remote world, like there's so much more open to you. Like when I started as an SDR in my case, like I don't think LinkedIn had very much content and all you learned from was the one person that was, you know, leading your team at that specific company and nothing against that one person. But I don't think that all of your knowledge should just come from a very, you know, like funneled or siloed spot. We didn't do a lot of like sales development or career development. And so I think this remote world now has like opened up everything. So you're working for this company and you're obviously, you have goals and you're still learning from the people within that organization, but everything else is also at your, you know, hand and you can just take from bits and pieces and kind of build this sort of Frankenstein of learning. And so I guess my like leadership style to kind of sum everything up there is I'm going to be the person that's going to teach you as much as I can, but I also want to like motivate you to learn more on your own. I want to make people become more proactive and more curious and take more ownership in their own role. And then my favorite part of it is once you get these individuals to the spot is to just like clear all the roadblocks, let them run and then figure out what it is next in their career within that, you know, organization that we can send them off to or give them goals to achieve so that they can move to that AE role or that team lead role or CS role. So I think it just really comes into also a lot of like trust and freedom and flexibility, which again, I think people do their best work when they feel like they're supported and they can kind of, you know, do their own thing. And there's not that very micromanaging vibes that used to be sort of like in the environment or like the workplace. Yeah. And it's very entrepreneurial. I mean, for better or worse, (laughs) you know, uh, all the good things about entrepreneurship, but you know, there's the downside of it. And, you know, I've got so many questions for you. So one is, if you think about performance management, like in the old days, it was almost like a funnel. If you do X activities, you get X results and it converts down to a pipeline. And then that's why like you'd have this room full of people just doing a bunch of activities to see how it converts. But in this new world, like you said, it's more results-based. So it's like, how do you think about supporting and managing if the results are not there, you know, because you don't have that traditional, you know, like funnel anymore. It's really just, I don't know what you're doing, you know, you're at home. So that type of thing. Yeah. I love that. And I guess this ties also into this like remote sales development world is I think collaboration and like teamwork is so much higher than it used to be. And I don't know why or how that changed specifically with remote work, but just seeing again, like where sales development lived and what it meant to be in sales development. It was very much like, I don't care what the person next to me is doing. If they're failing, like that's on them. Like I'm just focused on myself. Now in this remote world, I want to make sure that we're constantly talking to each other. We're constantly sharing what's working, what's not. 
And so sort of in there, there's always going to be sort of that like baseline. And we're never going to say, obviously, like activity metrics don't matter because I do think they give, yeah, like a very good, this is the average. So if someone's below it, that's a perfect reason to like, hey, let's hop on and see like where you're, you know, falling off. And I think it's easiest to start at that like activity. Like, okay, if you're doing above the activity, but your success metrics aren't there, then we can at least kind of work down and say, maybe like it's something on the calls, maybe it's your objection handling, maybe it's your targeting, maybe it's just, you know, the speed in which you're getting back to people, your response times, like there's a lot of things you can diagnose, but I think it does have to kind of start at that activity level. And then on the flip side, this is again, this is the base, maybe it's, you know, 200 emails a week, you're sending 100 emails a week, and you're knocking your numbers out of the parks, like, what are you doing differently? And then we can kind of dive into your entire process. And then see like where that difference is from the other reps. And then you can share that with the rest of the team and hope that they all then now, you know, move down to that more than 200 emails a week, it's 100 and they're having the same or if not better success. So I think there is always going to be that baseline, but at the end of the day, being able to kind of recognize who's doing a better job or who's doing a worse job using that baseline as like the standard, you're able to kind of coach through that or move people who are more successful into a spot where they can share a little bit more. And I, I want to like bring back actually a funny example. I remember it was my first hire at Chili Piper when I moved more into like the team lead role a little bit before I was like an official SDR manager. And he had come over from an AE role. I think they sold like marketing software or ad space or something like that. But it was very competitive and it was, you know, pre-COVID everyone's kind of out for their own number. And he picked things up really quickly. He was crushing his numbers. There was three or four reps at the time and he almost had like doubled kind of like all of their success in, in like two or three weeks. And I was like, hey man, like what are you doing differently? And he like ran down exactly what he was doing. And I said, cool, like we're going to share this on Tuesday in our huddle. Like it's going to be awesome. And he's like, I don't want to share it. And I was like, why not? And he's like, because I'm like destroying My these playbook. Numbers. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, <laughs> okay. But at the time, you know, Chili Piper's 35 people, 40 people. This is not like a space where we can just have one rep doing well. Like we need to have the whole team doing well, because if this engine doesn't work, then like the company is not going to work. Right. Like we need to help this grow. And and so finally he's like, oh, okay. And he like apologized and he was like, this is really weird. Like I'm not used to the collaboration here. Like, you know, the team effort or the team mentality. It's more just like I was used to being an AE where it's like, I want to hit my numbers to make as much money for my family as possible. And like, I don't care about what the other people are doing. And so I think it's just a funny sort of transition, but now it's like every huddle, you know, I'm always asking like, what's working, what's not. And I want to hear from like each individual and maybe some of it's similar, but a lot of it's probably different. And that's something that again, like back in the day in person, I don't think we ever talked about what was working across like the team individually and had each person kind of share what was going on. It was just like, you know, very top down leadership. So it's like manager hands you the script, manager hands you the templates, they do this. And they're like, all right, this is what you do. And you stick to it. But now there's just so much more creativity because again, you might be allowed that in the remote environment, you're more comfortable. So I'm on the phone. I know I don't have to stick to the exact script because unless my manager's going to listen to the gong recording, they're not going to catch me saying something that's not right. And maybe that's, you know, what really works. And then you do hear it and we say, cool, this person tried it out, but they never would have tried that out if they're on a, a floor with a manager right next to them listening to their every word. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because does it change the profile of the type of people that you're hiring now that 100%. we're, yeah, because I mean, it seems like 
if you went back like 10 years ago, plus you couldn't hire the same person today to do it because it's more collaborative. You have to be more independent. You have to be more entrepreneur minded. Totally. So how does that change who you want to you know, bring on the team and like your hiring profile? Yeah, that's a great question and a great point to bring up because I do think it's completely different. You've used the word like entrepreneurial like multiple times. And I think that is very big, you know, like motivation is definitely a very interesting topic in a remote world as well. Because again, yeah, no one's sitting there and you don't get the energy of the entire you know group. And I go down to San Diego every other month or so. I think I've been there like four times now for work. And there's definitely, it's different right? when I'm in the office and I have a team around me and the CEOs in there and like, we're all doing stuff. It is a different environment, some for the better and some for, you know, different. But I think the candidates now, they do have to be very, very self-motivated. Like, you know, you can only do so much and like I said, our huddles and like random slacks. And like, I try to make it fun and exciting. And I know that the SDR job is a grind. Like everyone knows that. So if you're not having fun with it, like it's going to be completely miserable. So I like to just make it as fun as it can be. So I want someone who has like good energy, who's, you know, positive, excited, and there to kind of bring up the whole team. And then again, like that team mentality, collaborativeness, someone who's very communicative, remote world, like if you're not communicating well, like that's tough because you don't have as many insights as being able to just kind of look over their shoulder and see what's going on or make sure if something was going wrong that they bring it up. Like you have to overly communicate. And then on top of that, like the creativity is massive too. So we talked a little bit about like, you know, on a script or on an email or something, like you have a lot of freedom to try things out. And I think, you know, top reps these days, are the ones that they're not afraid to fail. Cause I think, right. Like you're either successful or you learn. So like, you're not failing if you mess something up, like if you try something out and it doesn't work, just learn from it and like, you know, tweak it and pivot and keep moving. So back in the day, you know, like I said, you threw a script in front of them. You said, Hey, this is the job, like, you know, A, B, C, and then maybe this is like a fork in the road. You go this way, but now it's like, there's so many different variables. And so I want someone who's like, you know, able to think on their own and be creative and, be positive and motivated and excited and just constantly trying to learn and get better. And that's, I think, sort of like where I look for in this remote world is just someone who you can kind of trust to do the job. Because again, we talked about trust, like that's a massive one. You don't know what they're doing all day, every day, but you can't be micromanaging because it's just not the world that we live in anymore. So you have to trust that they're you know, wanting to do better each day and they're wanting to do the right things and they want to learn and grow. And once those are sort of clear from your perspective on that, like individual, I think that's where you can just let them run and just grow and help them where you can. But a lot of stuff I think is definitely like self-motivated these days. How do you talk about the job with candidates or people that are thinking about applying? Because, you know, especially in this environment, like if it gets hard or they're not figuring it out, they can just bounce so easily to another job. Or a lot of people come in, they just graduated from college and they're just like, I don't really know what I want to do, but I like people and I like talking to people. So I'll get into sales. I know that I can make money. And so they get into it and it's just like, holy crap, <laughs> you know, like I'm sitting here in my house. There's, you know, just me and the computer. There's nobody around. And like, I'm calling all these people. They're super mean. Nobody picks up, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's like, <laughs> and so how can you just describe it in a way where it's like, you don't want to scare people, but at the same time, it's like, if you're going to do this path, you do it for two years at the most, and then it's kind of up or out type of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, and I work from home and I've been in the business world for 20 years and it's like, it becomes a struggle, you know, being remote, you know, and stuff like that. So I can't remember what the question was, but it's just like, how do you prepare people for this? Yeah, it's a good one. And you mentioned also like, right, like someone who's just fresh, whether it's out of college or it's out of the military, yeah. it's out of something different, like how yeah. can you paint that picture? And I think it is really important that you are a little bit realistic, right? Because I agree, yeah, you can't scare somebody. You can't be like, hey, this is going to be the hardest you've ever done. Like, no, like that's not going to work. But there is that balance of, hey, this isn't easy. There's going to be days that suck, right? That's life too. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. In my mind, this is also where like this like remote culture is really important. I know there are places out there where you're kind of 100% on your own. Like you onboard kind of yourself. You maybe have a check-in like once a week with like your team or your manager and that honestly sounds pretty tough. I could see people obviously who like that. Again, like everyone's different. So there are the people who are just like, leave me alone. Let me just do my job. And maybe they're so motivated, they're going to get everything done. Then there's the people that need a little bit more handholding. But I think, again, there's just a big balance of making sure that you're checking in on people, whether, like I said, daily, like I like to slack the team individually and as like a group, like a few times throughout the day. It doesn't always have to be work-related. It can also just be like, you know, what's going on? How's your day? Outside of that, like we have a huddle every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I'm still making sure that we can sync up and talk through things that are going on without making it a meeting for work and making sure that like the time also is well spent because time is very, very valuable. Every SDR sales rep, AE leader should know, right? Like nothing's worse than like an unnecessary meeting. There should be value added or and the value doesn't have to be necessarily a sales specific thing. Like I said, it could just be like a check-in and see how they're doing as a person. And so with that sort of said, like, how would I, you know, explain it to someone is like, you're going to come here, you're going to bust your butt for sure, but it's going to be worth it. There's also a lot of opportunity to like learn and grow. The paychecks are great. People get into sales, right? Because they see commission checks and things like that. But I think what people learn for more now is like a growth opportunity and somewhere where they can really kind of kickstart their career. And again, like the sales development role is, I think, really exciting because it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go be an AE. It's just like the entry point for, you know, this space and a company. And so whatever it is that you want to get into, sometimes a lot of people just start as an SDR. And then next thing you know, they move into CS or they move into marketing or, you know, really kind of anywhere. And so that's sort of my favorite part of that is you don't really know what you're getting in an SDR. Like not every single one's going to be the, like, I'm a hunter mindset and I just want to be the best AE one day. Like it could be anything. And so I think it's just a really good spot to kind of dip your toes in and learn about that company or about that space or whatever it may be. But at the same time, like, yeah, you're going to work hard, but you just got to make sure that it's rewarding for them and not just financially. Yeah. And, you know, coming into it. So you've got a certain type of person, you know, that would thrive in that remote environment. And then they should also have sort of a, some kind of vision, you know, for the next five years, like this is going to be, you know, it's not the most glamorous thing in the world, but it's a time where you can learn a lot and set yourself up for success in, you know, a few years, it seems. Yeah. I always say that too. Again, it kind of goes into like hitting your numbers consistently and early is like, Nothing's better than being a really good SDR where you get your process down, you have everything kind of keyed in and you're cruising along and it gives you that, like I said, 
maybe you're working four or five hours a day to hit your numbers. Like that's awesome. That means there's other four or three or whatever hours left in the day. You can learn about the next role. You can get better at your craft. You can explore different opportunities within the company or, you know, outside of the company. And so it's really a good spot to go learn, grow, take it kind of at your own pace, not jump necessarily like full, you know, head and into the deep end, but kind of wait around and, and see because you can really get it down. And, and again, that's like my goal is to always make sure that I can get a rep to crushing their numbers without having to stress about it, without having to worry about it, without having to put in 12 hour days and then get them to that spot where they're like, okay, cool. Now I can learn about what I want next and really get passionate and excited about it. And then, you know, move them in that direction and kind of remove any sort of roadblocks. I think you're going to get flooded with, you know, resumes. <laughs> I don't know if people use those anymore, but you know, people... <laughs> People are going to listen to this and be like, dude, I want to work for this guy because it's so interesting. And you brought up a good point. How do you think about like focusing during the day? You know, if you're in a remote environment, because, you know, living the dream is like, okay, I can knock out my tasks and make my number and do that, you know, within four or five hours. And then I've got the rest of the day where I can either pursue a passion, go for a bike ride, you know, work on my health, whatever that may be. But how do you really recommend that people focus in during that key time period and like organize their day to be the most effective? Yeah, that's a really good one. I think Michael Tussauds a lot for that because when I started at Chili Piper, I didn't time block. I didn't do, you know, really anything. I just kind of took each day by each day. And even though I saw like success with it, once he, I think it was, it was the Pomodoro effect, I think, or... Yes. Like one of those things where it's like, you know, 30 minutes, two minute break or whatever, an hour, 10 minute break. He shared that with us. I looked into it and I was like, I don't know if that's necessary for me, but the idea of time blocking really stuck out. And so from there, I sort of like, you know, again, experimented a little bit. And I said, like, what's the best way that I can organize my day? And I tried it for one week, like a certain way. And then the next week I tried it a different way. And the next week I tried a different way. And I saw like where I was most successful as far as like, what is the daily process? And once I got that down, I just, you know, blocked my calendar the way that it should be. I knew obviously, again, as an SDR, hopefully you don't have like a lot of one-off meetings that come up. So your days pretty much, or your weeks are pretty much structured already and just stuck to it. What honestly it was more important for was actually moving into leadership roles where you do have a lot more meetings and making sure that any sort of gaps in between these meetings, I'm actually setting aside for something that's valuable and important and I need to prioritize. And when I'm doing that, I'm actually doing that task, right? Like I tell best years all the time, if you put prospecting for an hour or two hours during that two hour block, like prospect, yeah. don't hop on the phone and start calling people. Don't like slack people. Don't, you know, do something different. Like make sure you're sticking to those words. And when you have a, a really good process set up and again, goes into collaboration and sharing kind of what's working, maybe the time blocking and the way that someone has set up their day is what makes them more successful than the other reps. And then that's something that you say, Hey, you know what? This person's, you know, hitting 150% of their quota. You're at, you know, 70 or 80. It looks like you're doing everything very similarly. I've heard your gong calls. I've looked at your emails, but your days are set up completely different. Like maybe you give this thing a go and then that could be a big enough change for them. So I, yeah, I really do think that there's a lot of power in like blocking out your time and sticking to that in a way that like you're actually excited and you're motivated each and every day to do those tasks. And giving yourself breaks too, right? Like that's a part of what blocking is. Like make sure you're not back-to-back -back meetings or you're doing these things with no like, you know, 30-minute little walk your dog or, you know, go to the bathroom, grab a bite to eat. 
So just really controlling your calendar, I think, is extremely underrated and very, very important and allows for like the consistency, which anyone in sales development knows like that's kind of the number one thing. Like if you're not consistent, if you're doing something different all the time or you have really good weeks, really bad weeks, really great quarters, awful quarters, like it's just never really going to work. And so the easiest way to make your role the most like optimized or efficient that it can be and you can remain consistent with it, like that's where you're going to hit, you know, a home run. Big time. Yeah. And so I want to ask if there's any good, the Pomodoro method, if anybody's not familiar with that is a good one. And it also makes me think you made a point about you can have your calendar blocked out to do something that's tough and hard. And you're like, not really looking forward to it, but you have to and easily blow that off. But one thing that really has helped is this book called Atomic Habits, which I'm sure that the listeners and you're aware of. And it's just like, starting with just a tiny, tiny thing, but just doing it every day or, you know, whenever it pops up on your calendar, instead of trying to like, I'm going to prospect for, you know, six hours a day, you know, instead it's like, okay, I'm just going to pick up the phone and call like one person, you know, and then, but I'm going to do that day after day. It's really helpful. So. Yeah, that's a great book. And also it's kind of funny. So this is also something I took from Michael and then I've implemented it over here was like, we would read books. Yeah. You know, we, we read Fanatical Prospecting, Never Speak the Difference, a million other ones. But yeah, Atomic Habits is something that wasn't like a signed reading, but I know the book well, read it. It's next to the bed right now. And I learned a lot from it. And so what I wanted to do, because again, sales development, like, yeah, you want to learn how to prospect, you want to learn how to write good copy and all that. But a lot of the role is also just like making sure you're being consistent, you're using your time well. And so we're doing right now is every two months or quarterly, like reading a book, discussing it, doing some sort of training on it. And I'm actually, we're just about to start. I think it comes today is Getting Unbusy by Garland Vance. I hadn't heard of it until two weeks ago, but then a few people brought it up, but it's really very similar. Like, you know, making sure that what you're spending your time on is actually valuable and not being you know burned out by doing too much and more so just like, a research driven system that should, you know, shed any stress and allow you to kind of like accomplish whatever your goals are inside and outside of like the work environment. So I think that stuff's extremely important. And a lot of it might not seem like it's sales oriented. It might seem like, oh, this is just like a life growth book, but so much of it can be applied to the role. Yeah, big time. And things are changing constantly, but there's probably like four or five key you know, behaviors and things to really, really focus on as an SDR. And a lot of it is the more time, at least at the beginning, that you can spend in those key areas, improving and learning and getting better, you know, the more effective that you can be. And it's just so easy today to code switch, you know, constantly and just be bouncing from one thing to another. And it's like, you never put in enough reps, you know what I mean? To get good. Yeah. I remember I used to think that like multitasking was like a great thing. And then there's always the, you know, articles or blogs ever saying how like it wasn't. And I used to be like, no, that's not true. Like, it's great. Like you should always be multitasking. And then as I've gotten older and again, it kind of goes into the time blocking and focus, like you really do need to set things aside and give it the full like focus and attention and work that it needs before you should move on to something else, because there is a million things going on at once. And sometimes it's hard to prioritize, but once you start you know, consciously doing that and making sure that again, like whatever you're setting aside and working on in that moment is like, you know, getting all of your attention, like the better off you're going to be hundred percent of the time. And do you feel that the same goes with managers and running the remote teams? Are there, you know, a handful of 
things that you really want to focus on you time block as the manager and you really, you know, rinse and repeat? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that sort of like I might've mentioned earlier was more important for me personally is time blocking as a manager than it was as a rep. And I would say that to every single, whether it's team lead, it's an SDR manager, it's, you know, AE manager, because nothing is worse than I found myself in this weird cycle like a year ago where I was just looking at every day and I was like, I don't even know where I'm supposed to do my job because all I had was meeting after meeting, after meeting, after meeting. And then, you know, from eight to five, you look up and now it's six o'clock and I haven't even done any of the stuff that I need to do for my role outside of, you know, meeting with different departments or meeting one-on-ones or having this call, listening to this. So time blocking was like crucial. And now obviously at Mosaic being a player coach, like it's tough. Like I have to make sure that I'm time blocking my own calendar for prospecting. Right. So there might be this massive block on there for three hours. And it's like, why are you busy for that three hours? It's like, because I need to prospect myself. And if I'm not being consistent, like my pipeline's going to dry up, my pipeline's going to die. And yeah, that's important for me, but it's all obviously important for the team too, that I'm carrying, you know, my own weight and not burdening that on the others. So I honestly do think it's actually more important as you get up to make sure you're extremely, extremely prioritizing your time accurately. And, you know, a CEO of a company, it's crazy. Like I've seen, you know, everyone's calendars and they're nuts. And so what you are saying you're going to be doing at a certain time is like, you know, I think Bill Gates or one of them were talking about how like they're on the dot at every single meeting because like time is the most valuable asset at that point. And so if you're not spending it right, like everything's going to start falling apart. Yeah. It reminds me, there's that old, you know, four box diagram where it's like urgent, but not important, Mm -hmm. important, but not urgent. And it's like, how do you really hold yourself to stay in the, you know, important, but not urgent, you know, that's like, those are the things that can really move the needle, but it's like, we hardly spend any time there, it seems. Yeah. Well, it's good. Well, Matt, this has been so informative. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And, you know, how do people like, I'm sure we're going to get a flood of people that want to work for you (laughs) because it's, it sounds like, I mean, please send them. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But you got to be entrepreneurial, super disciplined, hardworking and collaborative. Right. And a few other things that we talked about. So how do we get in touch with you and, you know, learn more about what you guys are working on? So yeah, first off, definitely appreciate, like I said, really excited to chat with you and appreciate the time today. We're talking about time blocking and time. So I'm, hopefully this is valuable for you as well. <laughs> and as far as, yeah, following along, like Matt Roberts or Matthew Roberts on LinkedIn, mosaic.tech is our website. We're definitely hiring for a lot of different roles, but trying to build the sales development team out here. And right now it's myself and two others, and there's one to two others that will be joining here shortly, but we're looking for, like you just mentioned, you know, really hungry, talented people who want to work at a spot where you're going to have a voice and we want to hear from you. And we want to make sure that you're bringing suggestions and ideas and feedback. And it's not a, here's the job and and just do it. Um, Very, very team oriented. I always say, you know, like I relate to sports, but you could have the best game of all time, but if the team lost, like you still lose. So we're looking for sort of that mindset and growth opportunities. So if you're interested, please do hit me up and let me know. And if not, it's always still just fun to chat. Like the coolest thing about LinkedIn was just all the relationships and connections that I've made. And like I said, just catching up with people over the last few weeks that I've been following along with their content is a really cool and valuable resource for me. And so even if you're not looking for a job, just always happy to talk sales development or careers or people who are curious about jumping to a different job and talking through kind of what the mindset looks like there and what they should be looking for. Just reach out and 
let me know. I'm always, you know, here to chat. 100%. And that self-education, right, is what makes a big difference in your success. And it's funny because we put on the sales development conference and you walk around and it's very surreal to see these little heads, you know, that you've been following on LinkedIn (laughs) and you're like an actual three-dimensional person. It's crazy, you know? So we got to get you out to the one here in 2022. So yeah, we'd love it. All right, Matt. Well, thank you so much for coming on the sales development podcast and I'll see you on LinkedIn. That was great, David. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.